Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gateway City Church Gilbert Podcast. First, we want to say thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, You know, today, there's estimated 3 billion people all over the world gathering uh, to honor Christ and celebrate his resurrection power. And uh, we hope our prayer is that you would leave here inspired, uh, inspired by the resurrection story. Uh, Our message today is titled, The Hero of Heaven. The hero of heaven. Here's our main verse. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to read this with me. Psalms 30, 78, 35 says this. Let's read it together. They remembered that God, the mighty one, was their strong protector. The hero God who would come to their rescue. The hero God that would come to their rescue. Today we celebrate a hero. A hero that's rescued us on a resurrection Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago. And we're going to get into the story, but first let me share with you a story that reminds us of what heroes do. Last November's campfire in paradise was the most destructive wildfire in California's history. Y'all remember that? That wildfire burned 200 and 40 square miles, destroying 18,804 structures and taking the lives of 85 people. It took hundreds of firefighters 17 days to get that fire under control. It was so intense that most of the damage was done in the first four hours. But it was the perfect time for heroes to emerge. In the middle of those frightening first hours, With firestorms exploding on every side, Kevin McKay would be one of those first heroes uh, that would arrive on the scene. Kevin was a bus driver, and he was tasked to drive uh, 22 elementary students and two teachers uh, by the name Abby Davis and Mary Ludwig uh, to safety. This was definitely the most defining moment of Kevin's life. And as he struggled to navigate the roads filled with smoke and uh, the bus actually got stuck in the gridlock of of traffic and all the chaos. And Kevin had to make a decision. Do Do we leave on foot? Do we run for our lives? Or do we stay and try to figure this out? Mrs. Davis thought they were surely going to die. And so all they can do was pray. Five hours later, Kevin navigated through the fires, through the hills, through the smoke, and all the children were returned and reunited with their parents safely. Though he was modest, the teachers called Kevin a hero, saying, we had a bus driver from heaven. I have a question this morning. Do you ever wonder where all our heroes have gone. You ever wonder? You ever? It's such a re- relevant question today because if you look at at what's being produced, if you look at what's popular and common, there's no doubt that the in- entertainment industry is cashing in on superhero movies. They're everywhere. In the past three years, I counted 21 superheroes released. 
I was just told, you know, the, re- the Avenger moon coming out. How many got tickets to Avengers? Let me see your hands. There are more than you. I know that. I was told that the Avengers crashed the internet and people were really upset that they couldn't buy their tickets. But here's the thing. Producers are making these movies because this is what people want. They want heroes. They want heroes. And, and so the entertainment industry are making, this is an average of seven movies per year of superheroes. Perhaps, maybe, maybe we are desperate for heroes because of the times that you and I live in. Maybe, maybe you and I, as we watch the news, we, we, you see the culture of crooked institutions and selfish politicians and there's just mass distrust and pervasive hopelessness everywhere you look. And I think this, I think that the heart's cry of many is, where are our real heroes? Where are our real heroes? Growing up, my childhood best friend uh, by the name of Tony Sanchez, um, he had an amazing relationship with his dad. His dad did everything for Tony. They had an amazing, I so admired what they had. I, I admired the, the love they had, the, the relationship, the connection they had. Tony's dad supported everything he did. He took him to all the local uh, professional sporting events and uh, he, he would always, rec- um, he would always rent the pay-per-view WWF. Uh, remember when it was WWF? He would always rent those um, scenes, those pay-per-view. We'd all come and watch. And, and he's just supported everything. His music, his schooling. His, he even would, would attend all of his uh, Little League games. They had an amazing relationship. His dad was definitely his hero. And I just desired the same with my dad. But I... In fact, I had the exact relation, opposite relationship with my dad. I grew up uh, as a young man, as a young kid. My parents divorced when I was about six or seven, and I chose to go live with my mom. And, and when I chose that, my dad rejected me. There was no relationship there. And I just desired to, to be in a relationship with him, and I desired for that love and affection And no matter what I did, my dad never, ever became my friend or even my dad. There was no love there. My dad prided himself with being um, the black sheep of the family. And he was known for getting in trouble his whole life. He would often tell us, yeah, even, even the local PD knew him by his first name. He just was a proud travieso, a proud person getting in trouble. So... One summer, in the summer of my eighth grade year, uh, my friend and I, we stole a car. We didn't steal it, we borrowed it without asking. (laughs) And I remember driving this car all weekend long, and we're just driving, going around to a friend's house and just driving this car, and all I kept thinking was this, my dad is going to be so proud of me. 
I can't wait to tell. I wasn't worried about getting in trouble or getting caught. All I kept thinking, my dad's going to be proud. He's going to, this is the, this is the things he does. And this, he's going to be so proud. And then I got home that, that week after that weekend. And I said, dad, dad, guess what? Guess what? You're not going to believe this, but we stole a car. And of course, of course he wasn't proud. How foolish to think that a parent would be proud of something like that. But that's how much I long for my dad's attention. That's how much I long for his affection that I would do just the craziest things so my dad would acknowledge me and accept me. Growing up playing sports, I, I, I just, I had to push myself and I wanted to be the best and I wanted to, to be the captain and I wanted to be the all-star because I thought then that if I was the best player that he would come or the championship game, he would come. And I found myself every single week, every single game, just looking in the stands and looking in the parking lot to never, ever see my dad come. Naturally, over the years, my heart had become hardened. My teens, my 20s, even my early 30s, my dad was no, nowhere near involved in my life. And I came to the realization that I did not need my dad. Definitely was not my childhood hero. So the question is, where are our heroes? And what, is it even, what does a hero even look like? It seems like, like today we're confused even as a society on what, what a hero looks like. The research company Gallup Group, it tracks uh, the Americans, who Americans admire the most. Here are, here are who we're calling heroes. Please don't boo and please don't cheer. This list may surprise you. Here's who uh, Americans are saying. These are our heroes. This, this is who we are admiring the most. Obamas. The Trumps. Queen Elizabeth and the whole royal family. The Clintons. The Dalai Lama. Nancy Pelosi. Nikki Haley. Oprah. You knew Oprah was going to make this list. She's on every list. Oprah and the Pope. Francis. The list was a little different when they polled people 30 and under. Their list looks like this. Ariana Grande. Beyonce. Kylie and Kim Kardashian. Dwayne the Rock. He was up there. Dwayne the Rock. And recently deceased rapper Nipsey Hussle. Big stars for sure, but heroes? America's heroes? I don't know. They say this, that celebrities make news, but heroes make history. So the question is, who are your heroes? And what does a hero even look like? To me, a hero is somebody who puts the needs of others ahead of their own. To me, a hero is someone who resists oppression even when it costs them personally. A hero is someone who comes through when others need them the most, like our friend Kevin, the bus driver. To me, a hero is someone who stands up while everyone else sits for what's wrong. That's my definition of a hero. And I have some good news for you. 
Heroes can be found if we know where to look. And this is what our whole series for the next few weeks, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to explore some questions like what is a hero? How can you and I become a hero? What is my superpower? And what is my kryptonite? We hope that you come back for our series. We're going to have some fun, but I promise you it's going to be meaningful. Now this morning we opened up with the verse and we're talking about Jesus being our hero from heaven. And I want to just share with you three reasons why that we are calling Jesus Christ the hero of heaven. And number one is this, Jesus Christ is the hero of history. Whether you believe he is divine or not, There is no denying Christ's impact in history. He is the founder and CEO of the world's largest enterprise called Christianity. People are still investing in what we call Christianity. He is the focus of the world's largest celebrations, Christmas and Easter. His life is the inspiration behind the greatest architecture, music, and art. And every calendar confirms the significance of his birth. Jesus was revolutionary. His message on hope and love and acceptance and how he honored God, it challenged both the Roman and the Jewish culture so much that both those systems systems decided to execute him publicly. But the birth The death and resurrection of Jesus, it revolutionized the world. Famous scholar H.G. Wells wrote this. He said, I am a historian and I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is most certainly at the very center of history. Jesus Christ is the most dominant figure in all of history. Hindu leader Mahatma Gandhi said this. He said, a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies. And he became the ransom for the world. Gandhi said this, that it was the perfect act. Jesus Christ altered history like no other. He is the hero of history. Jesus also the hero of scripture. Whether you accept it or not, God's word is the is mo- certainly the most a book written book ever. The Bible is, is the textbook, it's the foundation to what Christians call their, their lifeline, their sword, their, 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 it, is, it, is our, it is our life. It is, the, it is the one thing that we don't deviate from. The, the Bible itself, which was inspired by God, is the greatest book that's ever sold. Never been discredited, never been disproven. It's been attacked, it's been it's been isolated, separated, but it's never been discredited. Jesus, the hero of scripture, because he is the focus of every single page. 
John writes this. He says, Jesus is the word made flesh and reveals that God was present from creation. From day one, Jesus was there. Jesus trusted the Bible and saw himself at the center of its message. John wrote, writes this, John 5, 39. It says, you search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. You refuse to receive this life. In scripture, the gospels tell the story of Jesus, the birth, the death, and the resurrection. And they talk about his compassion and his love for people, his acceptance of people. And you'll never find a hopeless man. You'll never find a man that's given up on people. You'll never find anything that, that discredits Jesus' love for people. It's been recorded. It's been proven. He is the center of the living Bible. He's the center Jesus is the center of scripture. He's the, he's the center of history. And number three is this. He is the hero of the redeemed. You know, the most heroic act that anyone has ever done is dying on a cross for you and I. In doing that, Jesus rescued us from the grip of sin and death and restoring us back to God. This is what redeemed means. He paid a price on a cross on Calvary Hill to die for our sins. He didn't die because he sinned. He died because we sinned. Romans 5, 8 says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. Jesus paid a ransom with his life so that we could live. Jesus declares this in John chapter 11. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even after dying, will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never, ever die. This is the love of Jesus that he had for you and I. He is the redeemer and he's redeemed us for so we can live and have a life. I shared with you earlier about my dad not being my hero. But I want to tell you a story about a redeeming God and a loving God and what he did in, in my life. On June 12th, last June, last summer, 2018, was our official move date to Gilbert, Arizona. Our official move date to come here and start this church. And on that same day, we, we put my dad in hospice care. And my dad would pass away 10 days later. He was supposed to be a part of this journey. He was supposed, the plan was for him to be here and help us live. My dad had been sick for, for quite some time, dialysis, and... Um, 
he had just, he had, he passed away. And we still came and we still, we still moved on. But let me tell you about the day that my dad became my hero. December 1st, 2016, we get a call in the middle of the night from the hospital saying, your dad has suffered a major heart attack and we need you to come and you should bring your family and say your goodbyes. My dad was on a dialysis machine. He would go get dialysis overnight and he had a heart attack. His heart stopped. And they resuscitated him for about 24 minutes. He was unable to, to breathe and he was unable to to find himself uh, alive. So they, they, they pushed and they pushed, and I'm so thankful that they didn't give up. I remember getting that phone call and waking up and heading straight to the bathroom to get ready, and I remember just falling down, crying uncontrollably, because two weeks prior to that, my dad and I had got into a huge argument, just something random, something so petty, and we were exchanging words, and the, the argument got real heated. And I told him all these feelings were just coming back that, uh, of my childhood and all that rejection and all that, that, that him not being a father. And so I told him these words. I said, Dad, I don't even need you in my life. In fact, I don't even want you in my life anymore. And then two weeks later, I get this call. And there I am on that bathroom floor, and I'm just thinking about, is this it, God? Is this how this was supposed to, supposed to end? He had done an amazing job about 10 years ago. My dad came back into my life. We were able to reconcile, and it was challenging, and it was difficult, but we pushed through, and we went through all the hard stuff, and I was accepting my dad back into my life. And for 10, 11 years, I got to care for my dad. I got to love my dad. I got to reunite with my dad. And even just as a grown, as a grown I was just, it was hard, but we did it. And we had an amazing relationship. And then there he is. My last words to him. I don't need you in my life. I don't even want you in my life. And my prayer was, and I started to think about something. I started to think about not our relationship, my relationship with him, but I started to think about his relationship with God. All the time that I had with my dad those past 10, 11 years, I, I, never, I never got to share Christ with my dad. It was just something that I just never, never did. And I, at that moment, I had, I had some regrets. Here's Anna. Anna. I, and I remember saying this to God. I remember saying, God, would you spare my dad's life so that we, we could reconcile? And when I said that prayer, I started to think, I don't want to reconcile with my dad. I want my dad to reconcile with him. So we get to the hospital and we, we doesn't look good. And the doctor's just saying, you know, I, your, your dad has just been unconscious for so long. And you, it just doesn't look good. And I, if I were you, I would make plans and arrangements. And please call your family to come. And my brother came out and they said, we were saying our goodbyes and, I remember just kind of holding on to the, to the hope, not, not to reconcile with him, but so that my dad could reconcile with his creator. 
when someone is out for that long, what they do is they freeze your body, they, they, they cool your body to preserve brain function, and then they warm it up. It takes a day to do that, and they warm it up for the day. And I remember on the third day, how ironic on the third day, I'm at home, we went to go shower and to get some food, and I get a call from the hospital. And it says, they said, your dad is awake and he's asking for you. And I thought, that's, that's not even funny. That's not true. My dad was, he wasn't alive. And we didn't think he was even going to wake up from that. So we go to that, we run to the hospital. I'll never forget. We, we go into this ICU unit and I could see my dad's room from a distance. And I remember walking in there and I'm just curious, is this true? Is this real? And I can see my dad turn. All the tubes are out. My dad's color is back. And we get to his bed and it's like he's up. And he's awake. And he's alive. And not only that, He's talking as if nothing ever happened. My dad was a huge jokester. He starts cracking these jokes and he starts just laughing with us. And the conversations pick up right where we left off. And I'll never forget my my brother who has his own story with my dad. I don't think they talked for 10 years prior to that. I watched them reconcile watched them laugh, I watched them cry and I watched this amazing, amazing moment and then I had my turn with my dad and the first thing he says is, son I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and I said dad I'm so sorry too I said dad I, I'm so sorry that I never shared Christ with you all the things that I could have said, I said this to him. I said, Dad, Jesus Christ loves you so much. And you got to think, picture this little frail old man who, who just lived a life of sin and lived a life that never believed it, never experienced it. He's like, not me. Jesus didn't love me. And I said, yes, he does. I shared with him Romans 8 38 where Paul declares this that that nothing can ever separate you from the love of God no height no death no angel nor demon nothing in all creation can separate you from the love that God has for you and I shared that with him and it was it was at that moment he said you know what son I'm ready to receive Christ He pushed, he fought, and I believe God brought him back so that he could receive Christ. And that day, he became my hero. And he met the hero of heaven, Jesus Christ. Jesus redeems our life, not just so we can spend eternity in heaven, but he redeems our life so that we could have a life today. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Can I tell you something on this Resurrection Sunday? 
that Jesus has a life for you, an abundant life, a complete life. He wants to restore the things just like he did in my life. He wants to restore the things that maybe you've lost, that maybe you've suffered, pain, discouragement, and even your salvation. He loves you. He died for you. But he rose for you. Died for your sins, but he rose for your future. Rose for your forgiveness. And it's a free gift. Can I pray with you? Would you mind closing your eyes and bowing your head? I'd love to give you the same invitation that I had the privilege of giving my dad in that hospital room. Regardless of your situation or story or fear or setback, the same is true. Jesus loves you no matter what. And there's nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God. He loves you, cares about you, and he died for you, died for your sin rose for your future I would love to pray with anyone here that would say you know I just need I need Jesus in my life if that's you could you just raise your hand just right where you're at amen amen anyone else here say I need a hero someone to redeem me someone to change my life, to impact my life, anyone else. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. I thank you that Not only did he die for our sins, but he rose for our future. And Lord, for the hands that went up, you've seen their hands, but more more importantly, you've seen their hearts. And I pray that you would come and meet them right where they're at. you got a purpose, you have a plan, and a destiny for them. Lord, this morning we choose you, and we accept you to be our life. That we could have not just everlasting life, so we can have life abundantly. We pray this in Jesus' name.